Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hello and welcome to Enneagram and Coffee, the podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jane Case, and I am so happy to have coffee with you today. Okay, so this is our final podcast episode that is the series from IGTV videos, but I really wanted to double use this content because I I know there are some people who listen to the podcast who don't really pay attention to the Instagram and vice versa. So as a reminder, these episodes may have a little bit of different sound quality. They may have a different tone uh, because these are created as videos for a project I was doing on the Instagram page. And so you might hear a little bit of a different sound. Let's dive into the episode. Hello. Okay. So this is our third video in our IGTV series for the anniversary of the creation of the account. And today what we're talking about is 10 things I've learned in the last year of running Enneagram and Coffee. It's been a ride since I started this account and we've come up on a year and I wanted to do my best to really think about how I've changed as a result of what we've built here. Um, And I say we as in like I build it and you guys contribute to it by sharing and commenting and participating and giving me feedback. Um, This is a co-created dynamic. As many of you know, I started this account on a whim because I was obsessed with Enneagram. I had excess Enneagram talk that I wanted to do. And there wasn't really any Instagram content that I was able to find that I wanted to consume at the time. So I created the content that I wanted to see. And in three days, we went from zero followers, thinking that maybe my mom would follow or a few of my clients would follow. Um, We went from zero to 100,000 followers in three days. And it was an insane season. And this has been an insane year. So the first five things that we're going to talk about today are things that I've learned as a person from running an account that kind of went viral, right? And then the next half is things that I've learned about the Enneagram and how my Enneagram perspective has changed in the last year. Um, I'm kind of of the belief that if your thoughts and opinions don't grow and shift and change on the topic that you're studying, then maybe you're not learning enough new things. So um, it's a big practice for me to continue staying curious, to never feel like I have it all figured out, and to continue listening, especially because this has to do with humans and how humans behave and how humans feel and think. Um, So I want to remain open at all times. So the first is let's dive into the five things I've learned from running this account. So the first thing is that this one's hard for me. (laughs) It's even hard for me to say this one. It's that people aren't always rooting for you, but that doesn't change who you are. So I was kind of in this very sweet internet bubble um, before this account grew to the size that it grew. I had an account at that time of around 10,000 people. I was a personal brand. It was all about like bravery and it still exists. It's it's my other account. You guys can see it in the bio and I love it so, so much. It's about bravery and connection to self and self-love and like growth. And it was so intimate. I shared so much of myself that people shared with me. There was a connection. There was a trust. With an account this size and in this format, you guys don't really get to know me very much, right? So there's not a lot of 
trust that gets built. Um, and sometimes people can feel as though I'm not a person, but I'm like a entity, like I'm Enneagram and coffee, not Sarah Jane. And so what can happen is that people kind of project their fears, their frustrations, their anger onto you. Um, so I really had to learn quickly to not take that personally. I'm not very good at it yet. Like I try, like I'm pretty good. I think in general, like I'm, I have a pretty solid relationship to myself. I have pretty solid boundaries. I'm like really, I'm pretty good at not absorbing someone else's opinion of me. However, it's not easy, especially when you're someone who wants to do good, who wants to love other people, who wants people to feel seen and heard and loved. Um, when you receive kind of hateful feedback and hateful comments, or you see yourself being talked about in really harmful ways, it can be really tricky. What I have found though, is that like, it doesn't change me. Like I'm still here. I'm still loving. I'm still showing up. I'm still putting myself out there. I'm still doing the best that I can with what I've been given. And actually I will continue to hold compassion for people who think it's important or necessary to be harmful to me because something must be going on there, right? People may not always root for you, but you're still fine. The second thing that I've learned is kind of piggybacking on this is that people get triggered um, by your existence when you're doing something to this scale. It brings up a lot for people. It can bring up, you know, feelings of judgment. It can bring up feelings of money stories for people. It can bring up success stories for people, beliefs that they have around who they should be or who they aren't and who they want to be. And they can sometimes kind of lash out at you because they're hurting and they feel, they feel some kind of way. And what I've found is that if I can respond from a human place, they usually respond with vulnerability. I don't have a lot of time to do that with like 500,000 people at this point. Like that's not something that I can really hold space for. I'm also not a licensed counselor or therapist. So I can't really hold that space for you guys via DM. But at the same time, when I have that time, when I have my own emotional capacity to show up in that way, it really is human to human experience. And I know what it feels like to be triggered. I know what it feels to like to lash out when I feel triggered. And so I can hold empathy for that. And at the same time, hold space for the fact that that's not ultimately my responsibility to make others feel comfortable with themselves by making myself small. I think it's tempting, right? It would feel comfortable to dim myself to limit my options, my availability, or limit what I'm able to do because I don't want to make other people feel bad. But at the same time, that's not helping anybody really. You know what I mean? So that's the second thing I learned. The third thing I learned is that I cannot do this alone. Like I can't do it alone. I've had to ask for help so, so much. Um, you know, I, hired my husband this year. Um, we have people who help us who clean our home at this point. I'm like getting help with meals. We, we, right now we do HelloFresh. Like we've really had to do things that simplify our life, um, so that we can continue to grow this thing that I'm so passionate about. And I love so much. 2020 is going to be a big year of hiring help, bringing people in. This can't be a one woman show. And that's something that I, like I have resisted in the past because I do feel I have felt like it would limit my freedom to hire people because then I would be beholden to, to others. But at the same time, like if I want to do the things that I'm passionate about, if I want to pursue the areas that I'm so excited about, I need help. So that's been a big lesson this year is that I can't do it all alone. Number four is there are growing pains 
And what I mean by this is it was almost instantaneous, the feeling of when we were hitting these larger numbers, these like multiple thousands in the first couple of days, I could almost feel like my inner, my energetic boundaries, like stretching and this fear of like, can I do this? Can I hold this space for this many people? Like I feel like I'm just this one person. Can I hold that? And I think that for some of you guys, you're like, but you're just creating content and putting it out there. Like you're not holding anything. Um, but as someone who values being tender um, with the experiences that other people are having, as someone who wants to be ethical and thoughtful and caring about the way that I do things, there's a lot of relationship that happens, whether you guys know it or not. I'm listening, I'm watching, I'm learning, I'm growing, and I'm holding space for you guys on my end. So that was a big thing. And it's interesting because I think that we think of this growth and it, and it was beautiful and exciting. And I love this work. And I love that you guys are here as this like magical life-changing experience that just like flips your world upside down in the only positive ways. But what happened was actually in reality, I was kind of like sitting on the floor crying, like, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? Because all of a sudden I was being seen by way more people than I'd ever been seen by. I was being watched by way more people than I'd ever been watched by and way more opinions are being put onto me than I could have ever imagined. And, you know, you think about it like this, like if you go into your office every day and maybe you have like a really hovery boss or you have coworkers who kind of have opinions or thoughts about the things that you do and you feel a little bit watched by those people, that's how it feels except for Imagine that there are half a million people going to your office with you every day, watching you, waiting for you to mess up, waiting for you to prove that you aren't actually who you think you are, you know? It's weird. It's super weird. At the same time, like obviously so many of you guys are amazing and lovely and wonderful and you're here and you're excited and we're all creating this amazing thing together. It's really cool. We believe in the work of the Enneagram and we're excited about it and it's fun and playful and and it's the coolest thing ever. So I want to make sure that I, I give that flip side as well. The last thing that I learned and I want to share with you guys is that going viral doesn't change your life very much. Like I live in the same house. I'm the same person. I do the same things. I just talk about the Enneagram more than I did before. I don't have to hide the Enneagram inside of my coaching work. I get to just talk about the Enneagram. And, um, you know, I create more content. I've had to ask for more help. I have a stricter timeline, things like that. But my life ultimately hasn't changed very, very much. So I think that that's an important thing to know because I think for some people, they hold out on the idea of going viral as if it's going to change their life. And the reality is you, you do that. You do that in or outside of that growth. And there are opportunities 100% that become available that maybe aren't available without an audience. And that is something that I don't take for granted. But at the same time, like I have to decide what those opportunities are. I have to do the work of those opportunities and I have to filter through which ones are the right ones for me. You know what I mean? So ultimately, and I think because I was self-employed before starting this, in some ways, like I still just go to the office every day and work like I did before. I just create content like I was already doing. Um, So in that way, things haven't changed very much over here. I think people think like your amount of followers equate to exact dollar amounts. So like I became an instant millionaire as soon as like the account blew up somehow magically. And um, it's not really like that. 
Okay, so the next five things are things that the Enneagram, I've learned about the Enneagram, some of which you guys have really heard this week already, but I want to reiterate. So number six slash number one for the second section is, um, you know, the Enneagram is the water we swim in. And it is something I knew before. Um, this is something that Renee said in one of our trainings for the narrative school. And I love, I love that phrasing because it really is just, it's just what you are. It's just, it's what you, what learning the Enneagram does is it wakes you up to what you are already surrounded by. It's not putting you into anything, right? It's not putting you into a box like people worry about. It's really just opening you up to whatever you already doing that's not serving you, what exists around you that you're not even aware of. So that's the first one. Then number seven is that this is truly tender work. I think I tend to approach things from like a light entry point. Like I love being like the gateway. Like you find my account, you get interested in the Enneagram, you share it with friends. They can get interested in it. They want to find their number. I love being that role. I love being the entry point to people so much, but at the same time, like it is so tender and I've learned through creating content and seeing people's response to it, that there's so many hurt hearts out there and so many stories about who they are and who they're not supposed to be that get triggered so easily that it is so tender. And I, and I've learned to really hold people with a gentle touch and a light hand and to really listen and pay attention to what stories keep getting told to people over the course of their lives. You know, um, as an eight, have you been told your whole life that you're difficult? Have you been told that you're angry? So then when I post something, um, that I think is light, it might bring something up for you that's really tender. And so learning to hold that tenderness has been a big journey for me this year. The next thing is that self-compassion in this work is non-negotiable. It's really what I hope I can contribute to the world of the Enneagram is real, true um, ability to hold compassion for yourself. Because I think a lot of times the Enneagram language can be very harsh, very intense, and it can really bring up a lot of shame. And I I really want to reiterate and iterate and over and over and over again that you are okay. You are good. You are doing the best you can with what you've been given. And now you have new tools. You're not being given this like terminal diagnosis of who, who you're always going to be. You're, you're given this opportunity to see what you don't have to be in order to be loved, in order to be okay. The next thing is again, that it's all a story. The Enneagram is a story. It's just this belief that we have about who we have to be. And at the end of the day with any story and like any story that we tell ourselves, we can write a new story. You get to choose the stories that dictate your life. And so with the Enneagram, I want you to remember that you, yes, like these are the stories you've been telling yourself, but you get to decide at any point in your life when you're going to tell a different story. And finally, I think there's so much healing and the ability to laugh at ourselves and to really celebrate that. Like the moments that I see myself doing the same old thing over and over again, and I can laugh about it, I think is a moment to truly celebrate because, you know, we're able to really recognize that, yeah, like, well, yeah, I here I did it again. And, and why I say celebrate is because when we can laugh at it, there's so much spaciousness in that. There's so much self love and the ability to laugh at ourselves and our tendencies because it's not so dark. It's not so harsh. Instead, it's kind of like, it's kind of like 
yeah, I'm a human. You're a human. Well, it's weird. And we're trying and I'm going to mess up and you're going to mess up. And isn't that funny? And letting it be light, I think is just so special. Um, not always easy, but I think it's really lovely when we can. Um, in the end, I want to say thank you. Thank you for growing this thing with me. Thanks for being here. Um, thanks for finding it interesting and funny and helpful sometimes. I really do love putting this content together for you. And it's really one of the greatest joys of my life that we found each other and I get to do this work. In the coming year, in 2020 and the journey of this account, I want to do maybe more educational content, the podcast in here as well. Um, I want to connect with you all more personally. I think that, you know, what we talked about earlier with the like being an entity, being Enneagram and Coffee versus being Sarah Jane. I want you guys to know me as a person so that we can connect on a human level, not just on a content creator level. And, um, and I hope that we continue to do the good work of helping other people and ourselves love and accept and connect to who we really are and do the hard work of believing we're more than the stories we tell ourselves. Thank you guys so much for being here. Um, let me know how you liked the video content, if that's something you would want more of, if you want another series like this sometime soon. And in the meantime, if you like the educational content, it's all going down on the podcast. So iTunes, Spotify, there's a link in the bio. You can get it all there. Thank you guys for being here. I'll see you next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.